I'm Ansel Birch. And I'm Mimi Wallace. And it's time to party. This episode was recorded on July 23rd, 2023. We are not doctors. We don't give medical advice. Please drink responsibly. For crying out loud. Welcome. All right. Uh, welcome everyone to uh, Time to Party. This is our third episode on a needle in a time stack. Uh, I keep saying a needle. Needle in a time stack, the 2021 film uh, featuring Leslie Odom Jr., Frida Pinto, Cynthia Revo, and others, uh, including my favorite elf, Orlando Bloom. <laughs> We've talked a lot about the movie. We've talked about... Re- recurring themes we've talked about uh what we would use as drinking and smoking uh games uh rules but now in our third episode we are going to do a shallow dive into a piece of technology or object that we were interested in in the film and uh Mimi before we get started uh just real quick is there anything you'd like to uh say to introduce yourself to the folks here in this third episode uh, I think we can assume that they have uh, probably in the two weeks gone out and watched your movie by now. I uh, hope so. I, I hope, hope so. Um, I don't know. I'm like, what can I say that's different about me? I'm Mimi and I really love beer. How about that? Ooh. Are you like a craft beer uh, snob or do you, do you um, like all beer all the time? I, do, I, I love a good mm-hmm. IPA. A good IPA. Oh, okay. You're an I. You and I would do very well in the liquor store, as I like all of the other kinds of beer. <laughs> no, I, I enjoy a good IPA. Um, so I try all different ones. I like going to the breweries here in Chicago, in the Chicagoland area. I try to go to as many different ones as possible. Um, I think my favorite one so far is uh, Old Irving Brewery. I love that place. It's right up the street from me. Oh, there you go. I I love that place also. They have uh, it, one of my favorites there, so I, I like going there. Friend of the show, Peter Carparelli, is a member of the band Blood Letter, and they just, at, at time of recording, released a new uh, themed beer for his metal band, A Different Kind of Hell. It is a light lager, so mm-hmm. there we go. I'm going to be trying it out soon. I encourage all of you to. Hopefully, it'll still be there in mid-August. I don't know how much of it they brewed, but they do, as you mentioned, they cycle through pretty quickly. So get it while you can. Uh, It's so crazy because I'll actually be there next Sunday. It was just like before we started uh, recording, doing the podcast, I was just texting my friend. We have a gig to do next Sunday. He's like, where do you want to go after? I was like, old Irving it is. Heck yeah. Oh, there we go. Well, fantastic. That is a great fun fact. Yeah. So let's uh, let's talk about edutainment. Mimi, uh, what did you pick? And did you have more than one thing that you were thinking about before you before you made your choice? No, I picked one thing. Um, and I it was. You know, I, I think I, I mentioned it in the first episode, but my thing was uh, the flip phone, the smartphone. I- which makes perfect sense. It was the first thing I thought of as well, which is why I was like, I better have a backup. This is too, too on too, the nose, too perfect. Yes. Uh, so would you like to go first or would you like to go second? Um, I can go first. Okay, go for it. So I, I picked the flip phone and then 
it reminded me or it looked very similar to me to the Samsung Galaxy flip phone. Mm-hmm. The new one with the OLED screen. Yeah. Yes. And I went and I started looking that up and that came out um, in February of 2020. It's when they first introduced it and they did really? like, a, yeah, they did like a um, commercial or mention it during the Oscars. And so, right. and so that's when I first learned about it. I was like, oh my God, I want one. And so <laughs> when I watched the movie, that's immediately what I thought it was until um, I was like, Again, I think I mentioned this first episode. I was like, it only had like three buttons on it. That can't be. Yeah. <laughs> it can't be, <laughs> can't be real. It, it can't be it. But that's what it, it really reminded me of. And it looked exactly like it or a replica version of it. Mm -hmm. um, well, and they're making a razor now. I, uh, they, they brought <laughs> razor back out of the mothballs with the same sort of <laughs> seamless flip screen. Uh which also feels like a very similar design. So, yeah, okay. You know, I, I had forgotten about that, uh, I guess because when the first one came out, I wrote it off immediately. Uh, I was like, ah, oh, that looks like it's going to break. And nobody I know had one. And it's only in the last year that I really feel like I've seen people I know having the, like, OLED flip-open seamless yeah. Yeah, I've seen a couple of people with it. I think it's still catching on. You know, they also reminded me of the Sidekicks when Sidekicks came out. Oh, yeah. And so you could just, like, with your thumbs, flip the screen up and get to type The little I keyboard underneath, yeah. Yes, in essence, it was a small iPad. <laughs> like, is that what it was? Yeah. A small iPad. A or friend of mine has that one. Yeah, the one where you've got the, like, there's one screen on the one side, and then you flip it open, and it's got the, like, tiny iPad inside. Yes. So the, that's what it reminded me. I thought it was very cool. But then there's also a version, um, but see, I don't think that phone, it didn't, like, flip and bend. There was another phone, um, and it's an Android phone where it's like just like how you described it. So the screen is the touch screen is on the front part and then you flip it open. It doesn't bend though, you just flip it over and there are like two other screens. I don't know what this phone was, but it's like one of my old bosses had it. And I was like, Where'd you get this phone from? Like, what are you doing? I don't know. I you know, it's uh... Our fascination with keeping tiny screens with us at all times knows no end. <laughs> right. Uh, but what was your relationship with flip phones before that? Or did you did you do any other research into, like, a, old school flip phones? No, I've had um, – I've been super interested. So in high school, I had a Razor flip Heck phone. Yeah. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Yep. Had the Razor. Had a Sidekick also. Um, a T-Mobile Sidekick. You had all the good ones. <laughs> Um, and then there was also, I don't know what it was called, and I still have the phone. Oh, my God. I wish I could, like, show you all this, but I still have it. It's um, It was just like a little push-up phone. You know, it's like a Oh, the slide phone. ones? Yeah. yeah. And you just uh, was, slide it. Was I don't it know the what Juke? Is it, it called the Juke? I don't know what it was called. But I had one of those where it's just the phone, and then you just can slide it up. Uh, um, 
I don't know what that phone was called, but I still have that. And so I think I've just always had the fascination with the flip phones, the phones that folded, because I was just like, how are they still working if you're going to fold it over? But technology. Yeah. Well, and apparently, um, apparently they're having a resurgence. Uh, I guess people are like, I'm too addicted to my cell phone. I need something that that doesn't do all of these things. So, like, people are buying flip phones again. Yeah, I think it's the exactly what you just said. And then the fascination of phones. I think it's also, like, the marketing of it. People are constantly going out and getting the newest and latest updated version of, you know, an Android phone or an Apple phone. And so I'm like, it's only so many versions of the same phone that you can make. Right. So mm-hmm. I would think when it comes to marketing, it's like, what can we do to continue to get people to buy new phones? Let's rebrand the yep. flip phone and bring that back out. And I would not be surprised if they rebranded the sidekick and was like, hey, let's just go back and see, you know, whatever we can do to make sure people are still getting the updated newest technology. Yep. Yep. Well, and I also like, I guess there was this shift, right? When we went, okay, so we had the, the like candy bar style, the brick phones. Yep. And then they, they introduced the flip part, which was unquestionably cool and we all wanted. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I think about that scene in Hook where they, they do the like phone, uh, quick draw competition at the beginning of the movie. Uh-huh. Uh, so yeah, uh, and then there was the slide style that the the Matrix uh, popularized. Yeah, like uh, it was almost like a gun cartridge coming out when they hit the button. Yeah, <laughs> so so cool. Up, yeah. uh, and then there wasn't really a lot of change in cell phone form factor until smartphones. Until we had like the 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 one flat screen. Uh, which almost, I don't know, felt like Palm Pilot-y to me. Yes. Because I, I don't know about you, but my first smartphone was a Palm Pilot. I had, um, uh, in college, I had a flip phone. I had the, the like, construction-style, yeah. heavy, rubber, uh, indestructible <laughs> flip phone. <laughs> my parents gave me, like, a little bit of money to buy a computer with. Uh-huh. And I went to Dell and I was like, okay, how much money do I need to spend for, for a computer? And if you got a laptop, it was like redonkulous. It was just thousands and thousands. Yes. Uh, but a, a desktop was downright cheap to the point where like for the price of a laptop, I was able to get – or less than a price of a laptop, I was able to get a desktop computer – and a, a Palm Pilot. So I had one of those like little Palm Pilot pocket computers when I eventually left college and, and got out into the real world and decided it was time to upgrade. I got the Blackberry, uh, Storm, it was called. And, uh, and it was like, it was a, it was a proper smartphone, but it had, you know, all the like Blackberry features on it. Uh, and that was my entrance point into smartphones. Did you, did you jump straight to like iPhones or? No, no, I think I went through most of the phones because I think.
think in college also, or maybe a little after, um, I had a, a BlackBerry also. Like, I went from the flip phone, and then my mom upgraded and got a different phone, and so she gave me her BlackBerry, and I was like, I thought I was the coolest person ever. Oh. Like, I have a BlackBerry, and then it had, like, the little, um, what is it, mouse pad in the middle, which is- Oh, yeah! It. So, I, I just thought I was everything. I think I I did that. I had different types of Android phones for a long time. I, I still think this is my favorite phone. I had a phone, I think it was called a Nexus phone, and this the screen was so big. I was just like, I think I still have that phone, too. <laughs> I think I started collecting most of my phones and just keeping them. But it was One a of those, really... like, just shy of an iPad mini cell phone? Yes, and I was like, this is unnecessary. Why is this a cell phone? Because um, it did fit in my pocket, so... Uh, yeah, I had that phone for a long time. Was an Android user. I I feel like I should go back, but I don't think I got an iPhone until I think it's only been like four years. That's it. Oh, okay. I am a I'm an Android addict. I don't think I can ever switch over it's at this over, point. I, yeah, I used to, I was that person. I was like, I don't see the point. Like, what? It's I like my Android phone. Mm-hmm. I wonder if we're going to get rid of cell phones altogether or the, the like handset brick style that we already have. Um, just because we, you know, we have Bluetooth earpieces, we have smart watches. You've got an iPad or some sort of tablet that you're going to carry around with you. And, you know, we're entering an age. Um, there have been a couple of exciting announcements recently talking about how uh, tablets and phones are soon going to be dockable with your like home computer setup. So instead of having a laptop and a desktop and a phone and a tablet, right. you'll have like one device. When you get home, you'll plug it into the thing and the thing will take your screen and put it onto monitors and let you plug in per peripherals and do all the hard work that you have to do. But at the, at its heart, the one device is doing all of it. Um, and I wonder if, like, you know, if I've got a tablet in my backpack or bag or whatever, why do I need another smaller version of the same thing if I could have – if I've got a watch that's got my texts on it and an earpiece? That, and, like, yes. You're, you're already carrying around this, like, whole electronics store worth of stuff. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I mean, that's why I gave away most of my stuff or traded it back in. I was like, I don't need an iPad. I stopped wearing my watch, and I'm just like, I have a laptop and a phone, which is enough, because now the phone is connected to the laptop, so when my phone mm -hmm. rings, the laptop rings, and I'm like, this is already too much for me. So, <laughs> it's too I'm getting much. too many notifications in too many places. Yes, it's, it's too much. I don't need this. <laughs> awesome. Well, is there anything else about flip phones or cell phones in general that you wanted to talk about? Um... I think one other thing that was just fascinating to me over time has been the cameras on the flip phones. Um, oh, yeah. How they are extremely advanced now. So, you know, starting off, we had the cameras on the flip phones, which was our introduction to having a camera on your phone. It was extremely pixelated. I mean, extremely pixelated. 
And then just the technology over time, how it advanced. That made me think about the movie also and just the flip phone and her recording and how those memories were super clear. Is our, our, I guess I'm referring to the memories of the recordings of the phone. It was, mm-hmm. They were super clear. And then just starting off with the the first flip phones, how everything was pixelated and it was hard to see. And just, again, this goes back to time. Like, over time, you just see how everything is advancing. So I think that's always been my fascination with uh, phones in general, but especially flip phones how you had to manually do everything with the dial pad, um, yeah. like texting, you know, it had to be like three, 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 one, one, one. And like, just to say the, or something like that. Oh man. Yeah. The old T9. Yeah. Yes. So, um, I think that was it. It was just my fascination with that, with the flip phones and the advancement of it and what they look like now. That. Well, that is a great shallow dive into flip phones, which are unquestionably the most, like, ubiquitous piece of technology in this movie. Like, absolutely, the the prime thing was cell phones and how how really central they are to the character's life here. Yes. I looked into uh, CAD uh, software, uh, which oh, is computer-aided drafting, yeah, uh, yeah. If, you're, uh, if you're hip. Uh, so, uh, Nick is, uh, an architect, or at least that is the impression I get. He at least likes yes. to draw buildings. That's what we saw. Yes. <laughs> it appears his boss doesn't seem to be an architect. No. The conversation, the, there. the speech that we have to sit through, what, three or four times does not seem to be about architecture, but <laughs> Nick at least seems to be an architect. And so yeah, he's so he's using this uh this CAD program on his paper computer thing that he's got <laughs> which is dope as hell. I, I wanna know what that is and how I get one. Exactly. So I looked up CAD, um and I I I was blown away by how well, okay, I'll 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 rephrase this. How old do you think computer aided drafting could possibly be? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. 15, 20 years? No. So I would have guessed 30. I think I would have guessed. That was my initial guess. Yeah, but then I was. Because, like, I remember in high school that CAD was a thing that people could learn about. Mm -hmm. And I think, if I remember correctly, I saw CAD. At one point, I don't remember how or why, but I seem to remember interacting with it in some way, like in those early, like, try out the the lame version of Photoshop that was available back then right. sort of classes. Um, CAD goes back to 1957. Oh, my God. Are you serious? Yeah. 1957, if Wikipedia is to be believed. Um <laughs> Which is bananas. Wait, how uh, is that possible? So the early versions of CAD, like obviously now computer-aided drafting, we think about like occupying 3D space and doing full 3D renderings. Back then, what they used CAD for primarily was measuring. So the idea was, okay, I'm going to I'm gonna draw in, I'm going to write up the parameters of the building that I want to design or the the 
piece that I want to design. It was used for like industrial manufacturing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they would use the CAD program to do all of the like measurements and like testing of the idea. Like, okay, if you're going to, I get the impression, it's not laid out in the article that I read, but I get the impression that the reason you would use it originally was like, okay, if I build a building that is this dimension by this dimension, uh, using the, using this material, will it hold up? Right. Mm-hmm. So it's more of a like, mm-hmm. you know, doing, doing the math sort of right. side of things. Right. Um, it eventually became more of like a, a primitive wireframe thing where you could like draw basic technical drawings but it was still pretty much just the same as doing it on paper. Um, you just, you know, it it was all measured by the computer, and, and you'd get a very exact architectural drawing afterward if you went to the trouble of putting it in. Mm. But 3D wireframes, here's the, here's the next one. 3D wireframes were introduced in 1969. <laughs> how? What? How? I, how? Like, weren't they still doing punch cards at that point? That's like, because I'm trying to figure what was 3D in 1969. What does 3D even mean in 1969? That's right? what I'm saying. I'm trying to figure that part out. Like, it's 1969. What are you talking about, 3D? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So apparently, yeah, you could develop interactive 3D models on computers in 1969. So. MAGI released Cynthia Vision, the first commercially available solid modeler program. Um, when I tell you which, I'm going to look this up as soon as I, I friends, I'm going on a deep dive. I was I my mind was blown. Uh, uh. And and what's really interesting is like if you look at the Wikipedia article, it goes okay history uh, first first CAD 1957. Uh, spent a lot of time doing 2D uh, well into the 70s. <clears throat> and, I mean, you can still use CAD for 2D now. Right. Uh, 3D comes out in 1969. So uh, 12 years takes to go from, from whatever the original was to, to 3D renderings. Uh, full mathematical representation of freeform surfaces, 1989. And then there's not really anything different between that 1989 entry and today. I'm very fascinated by this now. So uh, yeah. either whoever wrote this Wikipedia article uh, just did not care about anything between the mid between the late 80s and today. So like, That's enough. Yeah, they're like, yeah, you don't care about it. Um, but yeah, so they talk about how like, okay, now there's um, you know 3D modeling has become the norm. It's found. <laughs> Even even applications for the wide public can do 3D modeling pretty easily. Like you can you can design things. I think about um, the the birth or the the um, proliferation of 3D uh, printing nowadays, right? Like mm-hmm. yes, on a cheap computer, you can easily download a program that will let you design a 3D device uh, model and then print it, um, yeah. which is stunning. Um, but I think the thing that that really caught me about this, and it was the thing that caught me in this movie as well, is, okay, so c- computer-aided drafting or computer-aided design is something that, like, you know, it has become pretty ubiquitous. Like, everybody has access to this 
technology. If you've got if you've got a computer, you can probably you, do some level of 3D design. Exactly. Yeah. Um, even if you don't have the even if you didn't have the skills before, you could learn them, right? Pretty quickly right, yeah. with the with the apps that are available. But the thing that we see so often in movies and representations of future tech is this idea of existing in the space with the 3D model, right? Like having it either like holographically projected or mm-hmm. putting on a pair of like AR goggles and walking through the space. Um and even in this movie, you know, we're in the future. There's time travel. They've got nicer phones. They're still driving the same Teslas, weirdly. Um, <laughs> I thought about that. <laughs> uh, yeah, Tesla's perfect. Don't need to move at all. Uh, everything else, slight changes. Uh, but yeah, so there's this this idea of okay, we're in we're in some some version of the near future, and he is still on his like magic paper drawing pad mm-hmm. doing CAD the same way. Like it's still a 2D representation that becomes a 3D model that he is drawing more or less by hand using using tools from within his software. But he's not like interacting with the 3D space. He's not uh, projecting it up. Uh, I think about like Tony Stark, the way that he can sort of, you know, pull up uh, the, the holographic representation yeah. of his of his armor, and then like pull pieces off and throw them in the recycle bin, um, or even um, well, no, that was two D, not three D. I was thinking about Minority Report, where he had the little glove finger things that let hit the computer track him in real space. Um, oh, oh, right. I'm like. I know I have to go back and watch Minority Report. That's a side note. That's, really That's cool. a good movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it, so one of the things they talk about in this uh, article, it, in fact, it's the, the the majority of the article is talking about future state for CAD. And they talk about how, despite the fact that, you know, th- this pro- this material, this uh, uh, style of computer program has been out for so long, we still don't have a way to interact with it in true 3D fashion. We're still doing 2D uh, projection of these 3D models. Uh, and part of that is just because, like, AR goggles make a lot of people sick. Uh, it's really hard to render uh, the space that quickly. It's, you know, those sorts of things are really a big challenge that CAD has not overcome yet. Uh, as well as how do you... Okay, if you put on the VR goggles and you're interacting with your 3D model, how do you get the fine motor skills to then actually do any designing with it? As opposed to just seeing it. Like if I wanted to go, okay, I'm in the 3D space and I need to build my building – do I, yeah, am I wearing, like, haptic gloves? Do I need, like, a screen within the screen? Do I, you know, like, how do you, how do you interface with the, with the actual work of it as opposed to just seeing the model? Yeah. You know, I think about that every time I see a movie and it has that element of 3D animation or something in it. I often think about that, you know, especially if they don't have, you know, the full explanation of it. Like, okay, mm-hmm. this is 3D. How did you build it? You know, usually you just see, like, the actor pointing at things and then doing something with their hands or whatever. But I'm like, 
where are the gloves? Where like yeah, how, where's the sensor? Where, how's it doing this? Exactly. What are you? <coughs> how did you know? How did this come about? Because you can't tell me. And I, I'm like, I don't know. That you just stood there, and then the things were doing the things and the things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, mm-hmm. hmm. Uh, we talked about the Star Trek movie, the 2009 Star Trek movie last month. Uh-huh. And I think it's this, like, at least on the movie side of things, it's a very similar problem to the, like, screens and displays that they have in, in Star Trek where, like, okay, the actor has to reach out and touch this button and then the button has to change to reflect that you touched it. And it's so interesting to me the way that they do that because, you know, the actor has to be able to touch whatever, right? Like, there's no way for you to, as a designer for that piece of the set, to know exactly every movement that that actor is going to make, especially mm-hmm. if the director, like, changes their mind. Like, if if before they were going to shoot from the right side of the thing, and so the button needed to be on the left so that there was, you know, you could shoot across. If they flip that uh, camera move in on the day... Mm-hmm. Now the button needs to be on the other side. That's true. And, and so, like, how do you uh, anticipate that in the way that you design these, like, reactive displays? Um, and I think it's very similar to, like, okay, if you're going to have something come up in 3D space and the actor is just going to, like, poke at the air. I know. I, I was about to say that because essentially that's what happens often on sets. Like, actors are basically miming. Mm-hmm. Especially when you have like those extreme like CGI versions of the animations and movies, it's just actors miming and pointing at the air. You know, usually that's just how it is on sets anyway, because there's most of the time there is no technology in real life that is based on you know what the what they have in the movies. Yeah. So it's it's a bunch of pointing and pretending like they know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Well, this has been a great conversation, Mimi. I really appreciate all of the heart and spirit that you brought to the conversation today and for the last couple weeks. Uh, I'm so excited for people to hear our conversation, and I do hope that we're able to have you back. But for now, I think that is it for Time to Party Next week, we will have an outtakes episode full of all the bloopers and digressions that didn't fit into the main episodes. Uh, but otherwise, friends at home, we will we'll see you again in September. Until then, uh, Mimi, where can people find you online? You guys can find me on the socials at Mimi the Actress, M-E-M-E-A-C-T-R-E-S-S. That's on Instagram and Twitter and TikTok. I think that's all I'm on. That's all I can handle. <laughs> <laughs> that seems like plenty. You can find me at Indecisionist on Twitter and at The Indecisionist on Instagram and Threads. Special thanks to April Moralba for our podcast art and to Marlon Longit of Marlon and the Shakes for our amazing theme song. This has been an Indecisionist production. Show notes and transcripts are available at indecisionist.com slash time to party. And until next time, friends, wherever you are in the time stream, Be excellent to each other. And party on, dudes. Party on, dudes. Party on, dudes.